This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. It's opening day of practice for the 106th Indianapolis 500. Is that a caution light I see? Caution is out on the track. Must be... Uh, we're hearing this for... There's an animal on the track somewhere. Or an There's animal on the track. Hey, there. Parker, did you find your way onto I, the racetrack? I was just going to say, it's not me. <laughs> I will not be mistaken for a fox. A lot of people are asking us to get to the bottom of what's going on with your hot tub. I understand there there has been some kind of pranking activity already. There is uh, some debris, we'll say, in the hot tub. There's no water left at all and a lot of debris. So uh, I will, I'm sure we will do some video of sorts later. It is a real shame because I was hoping to get in it tonight, and that is no longer possible. Who is the leading suspect at this time? I mean, there's a bunch of snakes in this paddock, a bunch of snakes. Um, I don't know whether it's, you know, Colton. I don't know whether it's – I was with Alex Rossi last night, so, you know, probably not him, He's and not I was with Hinch. Yeah, okay. and so, you know, I don't know. Is it is it a new snake in the grass? I don't know. Is it someone who's, who's trying to be a hero, who's going to be – you know, I've never done anything to anyone ever, allegedly, <laughs> that's been damaging. And now I can't use my hot tub, and it might be broken. So we'll see. Someone's going to have to pay. Ryan, it's quite frankly a little bit unfortunate to see you in the civvies. We'd love to see you in a race suit. I know that there was some thought that maybe something could come together for you. How close were you to a ride in, in this year's 500? Uh, well, there were several situations, uh, you know, on the table. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for all the teams um, involved, in, but, but more so for this race. You know, I've just got so much respect for Indy that uh, I've been here when I've struggled, you know, as a team, and I've been here when we've done really well as a team. And I know what that takes and the preparation that it takes. And so I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I hope to be back here next year in, in, in a car that has a chance at winning. That's that's my only MO here, here at Indy. It's always great to be back here. I feel like I wish I was out there, but at the same time, you know, I have to be very, very careful. Uh, careful in in that decision-making process. Welcome to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We heard from Ryan hunter Ray and Connor Daly, some highlights from IndyCar Radio and from Peacock with NBC Sports. From yesterday, unfortunately... We could re-air the entire Peacock broadcast today in segment one and still have a lot of time left over because for the first time since a Tuesday in 2016, a complete washout today. It uh, was supposed to rain all morning. There was a thought it might dry up late in the afternoon. Well, it stayed dry mostly through the morning except for some sprinkles until about 1150 That's when it started raining a little bit more, and by 11.55, the track was wet, and then it never stopped the rest of the day, and it was officially shut down a little after 3 o'clock. But we still got things to chat about tonight on the program. Gives us a little time to regroup as we get set to really lead into the weekend now. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Sam Rumsa in our Indianapolis studios today. We've got a change in schedule for next week we'll get to. And, and some room to answer your Twitter questions and catch up on what we've missed. And, and again, if I've missed it, try me again at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cabin on Twitter today. So let's uh, start. I, I guess we'll go. I was reluctant whether I wanted to start with this, but unfortunately, 
nothing happened today. So Connor Daly's, by the way, Connor Daly is a marketing genius that this $600 idea is getting him all kinds of airtime, social media time, and so forth. Again, he's brilliant. So this is what the people are asking. What's the status on Connor's hot tub? Well, first of all, I would direct you to IndyCar.com, the news section. There's a fabulous photo that as even as great as I might explain this, what happened, uh, there's a great photo of Connor sitting in his hot tub with the debris in his hot tub. So let me backtrack just a second. Yesterday when when he made uh, reference to somebody sabotaging his hot tub, I think we were all a little reluctant to talk about it. I mean, let them let the drivers talk about it, but we didn't know what sabotage means. Did yeah. they did they put things in there that wouldn't be great radio content? Exactly. Uh, that was my first fear. <laughs> did they put something in there that would make even less television content? You know, just what exactly it was. Now, having said that, now that we we've gotten a better clearer picture of what it was, it is brilliant. Brilliant on the part of the perpetrator. And I'm just going to say this. Uh, you referenced how great uh, the marketing uh, of this $600 hot tub has been. And, you know, the driver's lot is where this uh, this hot tub is. But basically, uh, and I wasn't familiar with these Orbeez. Do you know what an Orbeez is? I mean, maybe you do now, but do you, would you have known what an Orbeez is? I no, I still don't. Other than Connor described them as hot, warm, squishy balls. <laughs> so what it is is they are little beads that come in a little package, and you can buy them on Amazon. And that when they're submerged in water, they expand and absorb all the water that's that it can hold. So somebody dumped several packets of these uh, or bees. And I guess the people, you know, they shoot them and it basically filled up an entire hot tub with little beads and took all the water, sucked all the water into these into these beads. So that's what happened uh, to the water in the hot tub. And by the way, I'm told that these things are not light when they absorb all the water. It's not like you just grab a couple of, you know, little gumballs and get them out of scoop them out of your hot tub it it's a it's a pretty hefty endeavor and i know that indycar maintenance uh was on the scene or ims maintenance i should say uh they were on the scene trying to help uh kind of rectify the situation but anyway <laughs> this whole process i know i know we're going way off here but this whole uh sabotaging of of each other in the paddock really kind of dates back as, you know, I can remember when Dan Weldon was, was a young, young driver in this series and the Andretti Autosport, you know, older fellers, Brian Herta, Dario Franchitti, Tony Kanaan, they played a lot of tricks on Dan. And that's the first time I can remember. Maybe you can remember any further shenanigans beyond that. But if you remember a couple years ago, uh, they took the wheels off of uh, Alexander Rossi's golf cart and put it put the golf cart on blocks and put the wheels up on top of his motorhome. Last year, Scott McLaughlin woke up to about a dozen inflatable sheep. Of course, he's from New Zealand, so he had all these sheep all over the place. And so in this case, uh, the bamboozlement stemmed uh, around Connor Daly's hot tub. So 
now he starts pointing fingers, whether he thinks it was, uh, you know, he, he gave a whole list of people. Uh, he thinks Joseph Newgarden might have been in on it. Callum Eilat, Tony Kanaan, Colton Herta, Kirk, Kyle Kirkwood, Scott McLaughlin. These are just the ones he named. And uh, I I was standing with, with Marco Andretti today when he added Alexander Rossi to the list and your buddy James Hinchcliffe, who, as he said, had a lot of free time on his hands. So anyway, however it happened, well, we've got pranksters in the paddock and you know, guys making their defense of of um, why they they were you know had an alibi. Uh, Callum Islet is the one I believe the most. He said, "Look," he said, "I came here knowing that things were going to be uh, done probably to the rookie drivers, and I've got I've got things lined up as retaliation." He said, "I'm in defense mechanism, not attack mechanism." In other words, I've got things ready to go, but I wasn't going to use my use my big uh, ideas on the uh, first week of the of the session so i don't think it was callum Eilat. and after that who knows it's uh it's fun but uh it fills a day when when it rained all day so no i don't think it's callum Eilat either i'd be surprised if a rookie driver is going to get involved in that uh, immediately i feel pretty certain it's not james hinchcliffe either because i think i'm his alibi because didn't this not did this happen sometime during the day or was it overnight the night before? It was well, it, it was, was the night overnight. before. Well, here's the reason why I don't think it was Hinch, because I was alerted to this. Someone texted me, hey, you need to, to look at Connor's social media. So I looked at it, told the truck that they need to be in the on my talk back that you need to find this and then showed it to Hinch. And he genuinely you know, he he would have given me a wry smile if he was involved. And he kind of, you know, he's squinting to try to read what it is and see what it is. So now I know he actually does now have acting experience because I, I think he shot something. He was telling me last week for an upcoming, I forget it, it, it. It's not a Hallmark movie. Maybe it's an Amazon Prime or a Netflix, but his his wife is an actress and he had a bit part in one of her movies recently and did a couple of scenes. So he actually does have legitimate acting experience, but I don't believe he was acting. So I am willing to vouch for my teammate Inch. The rest of them, I don't know. Colton Hurt is a, just like his dad because Brian was the one that led this back in the day on Dan. And I think Colton has that in him as well, but the cast of characters are long. And here's another one to consider. Is it possible the culprit is Connor Daly? Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I yes, was going to say that. Because this is gold for Connor. <laughs> in fact, I told I told a couple people today that very point, and uh, including the people who were helping him clean it up, I said it wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Connor because it's brilliant. He doesn't ruin his hot tub. He it, it just causes some a minor inconvenience. And by the way, when one of my colleagues, uh, Zach Horrell, went over to take a photograph of the situation with all the beads in the hot tub, Connor was coming out of the motorhome or or thereabouts with a swimsuit on to get in the hot tub to get the photo taken. So he he made quick work of it, and yes, he's very astute. So I think it is possible. One thing I thought was funny, 
apparently these little beads uh, are very popular with young kids. And, mm-hmm. and he made the connection that it's probably somebody who is a dad who has young kids. Like his boss. And exactly. He exactly <laughs> threw his boss under the bus, uh, so to speak, on this one. So, yeah, he threw out uh, – he threw out Ed's name and and a few others uh, in the paddock that that might very well have had something. I thought it was funny here a couple things uh, from Zach Horrell's story on on IndyCar dot com. Kirkwood was and I'm reading here. Kirkwood, of course, he's a rookie, was quick to try to cross his name off the list, insisting that he wouldn't have ruined the hot tub because why he wanted to use it. In fact. He said he spent $40 on chlorine and test tubes to keep the hot tub running properly. <laughs> who, so, who else? Let's see. Who else has kids? I don't know if TK's kids are here yet. I'm sure they'll be here on race weekend. Um, but if you're a parent, yeah, no, no, you no, still... no, not, not that the kids, not that the kids no, were but involved. It, it would be a parent that has the, the kids are here with the toys and the, the parent just takes it. From the kids. Yeah, but but what he's saying is someone who has kids would know to buy these little beads. Know what this is. Yeah. And know what it was and order them. And so that TK that does not. Yeah, it could be TK. TK would have, you know, his kids, you know, three of his four are at home in Indianapolis with him. And so being able to uh, know what these things were and then uh, to order them and so forth. Uh, here's Callum Eilat's quote. I'm not stupid enough to do it as early as this to know that I could get I could be got back on, uh, you know, basically revenge coming. I was saving anything that I got to do later for anyone who did stuff to me. It's a defense mechanism, not an attack mechanism. So anyway, I just think it was clever. Uh, Whoever did it, uh, you know, they knew what they were doing, uh, obviously, and um, had given it some thought. And it was it was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Something to talk about on a rainy day. Yeah, I guess it did. It it was something to talk about on a rainy day. So now we move back to the racing side of things. And the urgency picks up. We talk so much about, oh, there's so much practice time. You don't need all this practice time. And this is why we said yesterday they want to make use of all that is available. So here we are finishing up day two and all of a sudden teams that didn't feel great about the way things are, or even if you did feel pretty good, they all still have a list of things they want to try to to make sure it's not better. Because even if you think you're great, you know, everybody else is trying to get better. So you've got to get better or you're moving backwards. Now, all of a sudden you're down to one day to work on the race car one day. I'm glad you phrased it like that because um, you know, to to most people, you think about, you know, today is what is today? I've already lost track of the days. Kevin. Today's Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know, we laugh about that, but you know, it, you it spend you spend all these days thinking about and consumed by by all the action, and then you you know, anyway, it feels like Tuesday, but I forgot we didn't have practice on Monday because of the of the uh, GMR Grand Prix over the weekend. Anyway, so today is Wednesday, tomorrow is Thursday, and and the average person would say, well, you've got Friday as well before qualifying. The problem is, for the purpose of preparing for the race, is that they will turn up the boost on on, uh, Friday, and anything, and we had this discussion to some degree yesterday, 
if anything that you learn over the next Friday, Saturday, Sunday period doesn't really apply because the boost has turned up. So from a race standpoint, you know, you're not dealing apples with apples. Yes, it's still fruit, but it's it's not it's not the same fruit. So, you know, you're going to go into the corner, you know, six, eight, ten miles an hour faster, <laughs> maybe not quite that much, but you're going to go into the corners faster with the boost turned up than you were, uh, than you will be on race day with, with the regular boost. And, and the same with, with following people and, uh, and just all the other nuances that goes into chassis setup. So, yeah, you, you really got one day and that's tomorrow to prepare for the race. And then you'll have Monday, which we'll talk about here in just a second, but you'll have Monday. It's a two hour practice, but that practice is really for fine tuning. You will not really have a lot of time to go run a full day's. I mean, you can run a fuel run, but you're not going to get 120 laps probably. And you might get you might get a lot, but the point is, you better be ready with your final checklist come uh, come Monday. And the thing about why tomorrow is why why we say it's really the last day to work on the race car. It's the last day to make a lot of changes on the race car. So most race weekends let's think about a road course weekend where there are two or three practice sessions you're out there for 45 minutes to an hour and then you go back and you have a chance to really do a deep dive and look at data and put the car back on the setup pad and make significant changes so for the indy 500 they don't do it in sessions it's not a one hour session a break another one hour session it's just essentially hey we're going to do it in six hours which means a team will then break it up into sessions like the series or the track does for a road course weekend. So teams will have a plan and they're out there for a while and then they're going to go back to the garage and they're going to take a break and they're going to do the set down and everything that goes along with that. That can be done a couple of different times, three times, whatever, very easily on a six hour practice session. Two-hour practice session, if you have to go back to the garage, well, you may not want to go back at all, but you can go back once and because it's a long process. You know, just to push the car back, how long do you think that is? It's probably a 10 to 15-minute trip each way. So you're talking 30 minutes, give or take a little bit, just round trip, and that's before you even do anything to the race car. So all of a sudden, if you make one trip back, that two-hour session is down to 60 minutes, you know, considering you're probably going to want 20, 30 minutes back there to make those changes. So that's why that's important. And then I know Friday, I've heard it's going to be really windy. Are they still expecting wind tomorrow? So this may not be the conditions that you really want to set up the race car. You want this in case it's windy on race day, but it's not normally that windy. So... Uh, that that's one of the things I've heard for Friday that could be a concern. Hopefully, it's at least calm, but I think it's supposed to be hot again tomorrow. I haven't looked since yeah, this morning. I think, I think tomorrow, uh, last I looked, you're thinking low to mid 80s uh, without the wind being much of a factor as compared to Friday. I think Friday it does get windier. At least that's the last look. I'm you're you're tomorrow, looking at it 85. now. Tomorrow, 85, mostly sunny, 23% chance of rain, according to AccuWeather, 90 on Friday. Uh, and let's see, tomorrow, max wind gusts at 18 miles per hour. I don't know enough about it. 
to know whether that's significantly higher. On Friday, max wind gusts 30 miles per hour. I do know enough that that's significant. Yeah, especially if you're uh, new to the track, meaning we've got a lot of rookies in this class, I think, what, seven of them, and you've got uh, you're new to the boost level that goes up. So you're going to go into that corner quicker than you had before, and you're going to have wind down there, particularly between one and two, uh, sometimes between three and four, but people talk about it more between one and two because the grandstand really blocks a lot of it entry into one, and then all of a sudden you're hit with this uh, – you know, if it's a crosswind, that that's tricky. I mean, there's all kinds of wind directions that that people seem to talk about. I mean, theoretically, there only ought to be about four or five different directions where the wind could come from. But it seems like we hear about eight to ten of them over the course of a long period of of covering this race. That oh, it came from this side or that side or who knows where. So, you know, this track and these cars historically are very uh, sensitive to the wind direction uh, making laps at IMS. How about this for Indiana weather? We'll see it over the weekend. Saturday, high of 90. Sunday, high of 64. That's Indiana for you right there. And according to this, 80% chance of rain on Saturday. Now, yesterday, I thought there was next to zero chance of rain on Sunday. According to this, AccuWeather, on an app on my iPad, it's now saying 55% chance of rain on Sunday, uh, but also saying partly sunny. So that's a little bit concerning. And we'll make the mistake of going ahead and looking way out in the future, which probably doesn't tell us a whole lot. Maybe is a little closer as far as temperature, but if you want to look at race day at this point, high of 86, 11% chance of rain. And just kind of looking a couple of days before because that far out it could shift uh thursday the 26th high of 78 25 chance of rain same chance the next day high of 81 82 and 55 percent on saturday as mentioned 86 on race day 87 on monday the 30th with a 25 percent chance and 89 on tuesday with an 80 percent chance so it is looking more likely like conditions we see tomorrow hot mid 80s and friday although friday as we mentioned is not uh, a race car it's a qualifying car but these warm conditions like we saw yesterday and we're going to see tomorrow are more likely what it's going to be like on race day so they are getting valuable usage yeah that's right the uh, the wind will be interesting because it also tends to be unpredictable you know you go down mm-hmm. through the corner one time and it's 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 doing one thing, and then the next time through, it's it's gusty, and uh, that causes people out. And as I mentioned, seven rookies, and you know, it feels like we've got a a deep and and very experienced field. But in some respects, I would argue that you know, with seven rookies, it's it's a pretty unknown field to some degree. Um, we should probably get into this weekend. We touched on it last night, so. There's always a it's unlikely to be a full washout, not knowing anything about what the forecast looks like. We've already had one today and you might think odds are that. All right, we've had one. Surely there's three hours of dry time, uh, which is kind of what you need. A couple hours to dry. Actually, you need. Well, you need five hours of dry track time, right? 
Yeah. Uh, not, I, 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 I guess I say most. five hours, meaning if it was wet at noon, it needs to stop raining by noon to give you two hours to dry. And then you need another three hours to give 33 cars a chance to qualify, approximately. Well, you say it has to dry out by noon, but honestly, it doesn't get, it doesn't, darkness doesn't become a problem till after eight o'clock. No, I just said as an example, if it was wet, it, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because they would extend it. They would go past 550 on Saturday, in my opinion, if um, it's not raining and they have a chance to give all 33 cars a chance at one attempt on Saturday. So, yeah, kind of backtracking, you know, I think they could start qualifying at four o'clock as, as late as around four o'clock and go through the field. I think so. Uh, the other thing that's not in play is you don't have a television window per se on mm -hmm. Saturday. So with Peacock, I mean, you could hold those uh, great announcers hostage as long as you wanted, and, and you could stay till seven or seven thirty and get paid overtime. But on Sunday, the TV window is pretty firm from four to six, so that's important to try to have to have everything lined up. And people have asked me, did you if you had it rain out on Saturday? Could you do it on Sunday? The point is, you'd want to have everything in place to do your your top twelve and your run for the poll or whatever that looks like by four o'clock because you want to be able to do that on television. NBC has the coverage. Yeah. If it's a total washout or you don't get finished, the timing on Sunday is going to be based on, we need to have had everyone have had an attempt ideally by at least three o'clock, preferably two thirty or so. So that means you could see qualifying start as early as I would think 11 a.m. on Sunday. If they get nothing done, on Saturday, I think you could see qualifying start at 11, you know, in a practice session at something like 9 a.m. on Sunday. Now, what would be interesting is what happens if 17 cars get a chance on Saturday and they don't finish. So we're going to need this question asked in advance for the rule book for the weekend. If not everyone gets a chance, um, do those times stand? and they complete it with 18 through 33 in line starting Sunday, and it's the best 12 make the fast 12, or do they say because they didn't complete them on the same day, like a baseball game, a baseball game that doesn't get through four innings and it rains did not count, and it starts all over the next day. So I don't recall what the situation is in that circumstance. I don't I don't know how they would handle it. And honestly, you know, in, in many of these cases, you just have to look at the circumstances and, and how much daylight do you have and, you know, how much track time do you need and so forth. Let's just say this uh, qualifying is set for Saturday and we'll qualify all 33 cars and then we'll take the next the top 12 into Sunday and let them uh, duke it out for uh, for the poll in two different rounds first from 12 cut down to six and then from six uh, we'll determine the poll and and so right now uh, that's what we have to play with uh, the news of the day if you will is that the Monday practice has been adjusted from a timing standpoint because IndyCar 
I'm sure listen to the teams and and realize that if you're in the Fast 12 or Firestone Fast 6 on sat on Sunday afternoon, early evening, if you will, that you might need a little more time to get engine change and go to sleep and get home and have dinner and all the things that go into it. They push the Monday practice to one o'clock. So that two hour session goes from one until three rather than noon to two. Gates will still open at 11 o'clock. So from a fan standpoint, it's pretty much the same. It's just that the actual qual or the actual two hour practice will start an hour later. I'm surprised that teams will be changing engines, and I'll try to ask some people this. I thought in the past, even when there was the Monday practice, you know what? I think it was mixed. I think a few changed to, to their race engine, but I thought a lot of them were still running the qualifying engine on the Monday, and then they'd switch before carb day. Because they didn't, you know, if, if you wanted to do significant yeah. running, and it probably would depend on how much you think you're going to run. Uh, and anymore, as we've seen, it's not just back in the day, carb day was run 12 laps and park the thing. They don't even do that on carb day anymore. Some of them run 30, 40. I, we should pull up a box score from, from last year and the year before. But they have seemingly in the last few years run a decent amount of laps on carb day. On Monday, a lot of them run a lot of laps. And especially with a, a rain out for a day, and, and now, again, just basically two days of race running practice, I think they'll run the full two hours, and I'm going to guess a lot of them do not change to their race engine. But the point taken that if you wanted to, it would be difficult or it would force the crew guys to stay there you know, until 11 o'clock that night. So that's not right. So let them get it done the next day. So that's the situation on that. The other thing I'd say about qualifying is here's my guess. They're going to want to get done as quickly as possible. It's not super equal if you you qualified in one condition on Saturday and they're only allowing one attempt and you come back on Sunday and it's 64 degrees, but you know what? It's never equal to begin with. It's the no. luck of the draw. If you go back in the day when it was starting at 11 a.m., you might be qualifying in 64 degrees. And if you drew a high number, you're qualifying in the middle of the day, it might be 85. So that's the similar circumstance. And at least this year, no one, because of the luck of the draw, is in jeopardy of missing the race. Yes, it keeps you from being in the fast 12 or may hamper your starting position. So my best guess is if they get some done on Saturday, they would pick up from where they left off. But that's just a thought. The other thought is that... If there's a chance of rain, you know, we've gotten used to, hey, no urgency. We get to make multiple attempts. You know, let's do the first run and then we'll tweak it and get better. And if it looks like it might rain later, you better make that one go your best if you're thinking about getting yourself the best starting position or want to run for the pole because that might be your only chance to get into the fast 12. So that will add a little bit of urgency on that. Final thought on the Monday session. So this is was kind of just added two or three weeks ago. If someone out there wants to have a suite that day to get set for the uh, Prime 47 Burger Bash later that day, uh, one of my friends has a suite. It came upon them late. They didn't really sell it. So uh, they're uh, open to inviting friends. You have to pay for it, but they have some opportunities for you. If you want to get into a suite for that day, uh, email me. Shoot me something on Twitter, and I'll get a hold of you, and we'll get the tails worked out on that. I think it's something like 
$100 for a sweet pass ticket for the day, which includes food and drinks. If you're interested, let me know. All right, we'll get to Twitter questions, see what we've missed, news of the day, and much more all coming up on Trackside. Hi, this is Justin Newgarden, and you're listening to Trackside. All right, let's get to the Twitter inbox at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. Jeremiah Morell reminds us that, well, we can't really look at last year's carb day because, oh, yeah, it was rain shortened. It rained all day. And, well, I don't think seems like we didn't get on track until three or something in the afternoon. Then I think it was shortened again with rain. But they did run for uh, a little while. So we'd have to look back a couple of years. But the point, I think, is accurate that they have run more in the past. So. Uh, that will be interesting. Steve Grinstead asked, did today's rain delay help or hurt teams like Dragon Speed? What about the other one-off efforts? No, it hurt. Yeah, they need the time more than anybody else. You know, the good thing is at least they're not trying to make the race and they have realistic expectations. But I would also say day one went well enough for the Dragon Speed and Cusick people that they may have raised some hopes that, hey, maybe we can be a little bit more competitive. We're not that far off. Maybe they felt that already to begin with. I know they're competitive and they're they're going to go after it. Um, but yes, Kurt, it has to make it more difficult for the teams that... Now, maybe they made use of the time and they just spent the whole day working on body fit. Maybe in some ways that could help out the cause a little bit. Yeah, I think it's always difficult to... to- to figure out who had helped and who had hurt because, you know, more time to, to look at the car. If you used your time properly today and worked on the car and, you know, spent a little more time examining all the parts and pieces and how they fit and so forth, I think you could have benefited. The, the question is, did you benefit from today? Did you utilize the time that you were given today to work uh, on your on your race weekend and and if you were able to do that then you probably had a good day you know those that didn't have a good day yesterday like to time more and i think it also impacts the rookies they'd like to have as much yes. time as possible and probably not bad for sage Karam and santino ferrucci the people who haven't been racing full time now there's only been one oval and santino ferrucci by the way did it so it's not like he's behind anyone as far as ovals are concerned. So ultimately, it's the same for everyone. John Day at 81 Indy. Each year, Honda and Chevy say they only have so many engines available, yet before quals or before the race, there's always a fresh engine put in each car. Instead of dropping new engines in each car, why don't they use those engines for 33 more entries? For 33 more? Wow, that'd be a lot. Well, <laughs> there's, there's not 33 more uh, organizations that are capable of the financing need. But I understand your point. Why not a few more, a few things in that? It's really as much as anything about personnel, from my understanding, because there are a certain number of people that need to be attached to each entry. And I think the other is just the timing of it. So yes, it may be an issue of we only have so many engines. And and the way to look at it is for each of those entries, they'd like to have two engines. Or for all of the full-time entries, there need to be two engines. That's part of the deal for the one-offs like a Stefan Wilson. He only gets one engine. I, I think you can pay to have a second engine, but that's a different price point, my guess would be, than having the one engine. So there still is a physical issue. But as we've said many times, 
generally speaking, this year was a little bit different because the teams didn't have personnel and didn't really want to field extra entries. But generally speaking, it's been because programs weren't put together in time. If you tell Honda and Chevy in December, January, or February, here's our budget, here's our check to pay for the engine lease, I feel they would provide an engine lease for you. And Oh, and by the way, and then you come back and say, here's a contract with a team. That's the other part of it, which no one had this winter. No one really had uh, all of the pieces together to give the the engine manufacturers certainty that they were going to be providing an engine, providing a service to them in May. We also had a question last night about the number of laps turned uh, by the race teams on day one compared to day one of a year ago. And were they ahead or behind schedule so forth? Well, there was nearly a thousand more laps turned on day one in this season as compared to last season. And that averages out to just under 30 laps per car. So when we talk about today uh, getting rained out, essentially they had 30 laps to the good yesterday that they didn't have a year ago. So that doesn't mean that they're necessarily that much further ahead or behind or indifferent. The point is that they got more running in, you know, they got a lot of running in yesterday. Let's put it that way. CBB on Twitter asks, and uh, maybe he hadn't heard last night's show yet because I think we talked about this, or maybe on Mondays, says Jack Harvey was finally in line for a top result, maybe even a podium, only to be penalized after the final pit stop. Coverage never detailed what happened. Do we know? I do not know unless you saw Jack today. I haven't seen Jack yet. Um, I read his post-race comments. He did not comment on that, um, which tells me there's a chance that maybe something that he probably doesn't think it was a terrible call. It may not have been his fault. You know, he may have just slid into, I think it was Marcus Erickson that he hit, I believe is what he heard. I could be wrong about that because um, it was treacherous. But no, unfortunately, I do not know exactly what happened. But you're right, it did impact him. Lee at Indy Offy asks, for Fast 6-12, will cars be allowed more than one attempt? They will not. It'll go 12 through 1, one attempt. And then they'll whittle it down to six and then go six through one, one attempt. And ultimately, that's that's probably the way to do it. As much as we'd like to see the scrum uh, one, it doesn't work great for television. If you've got a two-hour window, you need more time for that. And plus, there's uncertainty, uh, two or three. Last year, as we saw... They couldn't go any faster. <laughs> so it was just a lot of sitting around because the engines needed time to cool. So really, let's just make it one show. Let's have drama rather than just sitting around and all waiting to go out at the last chance and not being able to go any quicker. You know, unfortunately, it's not like the old days where you keep trimming and you find something and you, you find an opportunity to go faster. So this is the simplest way to do it. Now, I think... I think there is something that they're talking about doing to help cool the engines down rather than just waiting the hour, hour and a half to do it. So that's something I need to follow up on, but I've asked about that and I'm told it is being efforted and I, you know, they already know how to do it, but there's consideration for that process. So that's not been finalized at this point of how that's going to work, but that's one of the questions that uh, we still need to get cleared up before we get to this weekend. 
And maybe it goes without saying, but from round the round of 12 to the round of six, all three rounds, I guess, in the process, the times from the previous round will be, uh, you know, wiped away, essentially. So you'll all start fresh in the round of 12. Then when you pair to six, all those previous times will be paired, uh, will be wiped away. What's interesting is the official poll time, I would say, based on the engine issues you're talking about, it is now very possible that the fastest qualifying posting uh, will not be the pole sitter. Now, that's not unique to the Indianapolis 500. It's happened, you know, on several occasions, but just something to keep in mind that the pole speed might not be the fastest from qualifying. Tim Garrigan says, will the new engines at 24 bring oval top speeds closer to 250? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Well, no. I mean, the top speed is 242-ish, something like that. And there is going to be a little more horsepower with the next engine. I think we're going to see the more horsepower come into play, though, probably on road and street circuits. Yeah, um, yes, definitely. You know, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to tune that for super speedways will it go a little bit will they go a little bit faster than this year maybe 250 is probably my guess is we might see another two or three miles per hour for a top speed and we're probably looking at 239 239 240 seems about like it was last year maybe maybe i'm off i i've heard 242 mentioned a few years ago as a top speed but probably not getting to 250 at this point. Hey, one of the news items we forgot to get to last night uh, was, and you, I think, have the story in front of you. Someone, was it Mark Miles? Was it was it Mark Miles with Adam Stern of Sports Business Journal talking about expansion of the schedule? There was a lot of conversation about Milwaukee recently, and it kind of looks like that's not going to happen for next year. Yeah, he made the point, and I, don't, I didn't pull it up right in front of me because I forgot we were – I know we talked about it during the break, but I didn't pull it up. But there were two points to the story. One, he expected no, no change in terms of the – of the venues that IndyCar would race at, which obviously we had concerns about Texas Motor Speedway a few months ago, given the contract was up. He expected the same venues to return for, or at least no new venues, I guess is how I read it, uh, for 2023. Uh, He was asked specifically about Milwaukee, and he he certainly seemed to indicate, I think it was in a tweet rather than a story. I'm not sure. I found the quote. Okay, found the quote. Um, IndyCar is not likely to add a new venue to the schedule in 23 at the moment, but that's not final per Mark Miles. I don't think so on adding a track like the Milwaukee Mile. I wouldn't completely rule it out, but more likely than not, it wouldn't be for next year. So that, now that doesn't say that they're not losing one, but I think it probably means that they feel like they're on the right path with Texas. And my best guess was Milwaukee, was getting a lot of conversation before IndyCar got to Texas because they were very, very uncertain about whether anyone wanted to partner, whether the track or the series wanted to continue that relationship after the way the race went. Now there's more enthusiasm for that, so that's probably put Milwaukee on the back burner because that would have to be an IndyCar-supported event, like what's going to happen at Iowa. So they'll leave that in my mind as a possibility if they can't 
square out an agreement with Texas, but otherwise they'd rather not do that for right now. So that's, I think, where that stands at the moment. Oh, and I'll also button up this. I mentioned on um, last night's show I hadn't had a chance to read all the articles, so I did go back and read Nathan Brown's story in the Indianapolis Star about IMSA for next year, and he did have very specific details that were a little bit different than what was on Sports Car 365. So Nathan had quotes from Doug Bowles, the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, saying IMS would be open to a normal-length sprint race in 23. What we'd heard previously and what Sports Car 365 mentioned was that it needs to be, per Roger Penske, an endurance race. But Doug said, yeah, you know what, because we understand um, the, the, the cost for the teams to add another endurance race, we might do a one-time thing as long as we're talking about an endurance race in the future for next year. So let's look at the other sprint races. If something has to come off, we're talking Long Beach, not going to happen. WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, Mid-Ohio, Detroit, Road America, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, uh, Lime Rock, and VIR. I mentioned a couple last night. You know, and the more I think about it, I don't know how confident I would feel about those. I just don't know what the situation would be uh, and where that would come from. Uh, So I I can't believe it'd be VIR. That seems really popular. Who knows about most sport? The teams are already talking about not going this year because vaccinations are required. So some, some sports car teams are saying, you know what? Uh, a lot of our crew guys aren't, aren't vaccinated. So we're just not going to go. And there's a stalemate on that front. So stay tuned for that. What we missed and more coming up in a moment on Trackside. This is Scott Dixon, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Time now for the Speedrome Trackside News of the Day. Saturday night's Tom Wood Group Indianapolis Speedrome, powered by Lincoln Tech. Features family-friendly racing action, great food, free parking, and outrageous fun, always capped by the world-famous wild and unpredictable figure eight. Tickets start at only $10. Kids eight and under are free. And June 4th, the return of the crazy school bus figure eight, insane trailer figure eight, and demo derbies. You can get all the information and more at speedrome.com. Our news of the day comes courtesy of Racer, which reported that A.J. Foyt Racing is going to test two or three potential drivers for next year. They're going to test those on the Indy Road Course during a day in June, which is further confirmation that Kyle Kirkwood will not be with them in 2023. We we assume and, and are all but certain he's going to Andretti Autosport for the number 27 car vacated by Alexander Rossi. And you have an idea of who might be in that two or three potential drivers? I would also say that I think they could potentially do this, whether Kirkwood was leaving or not. We all are pretty certain he's he's leaving, but um, I think the other two drivers are likely on one-year contracts as well. So, And another situation is teams use this as revenue because young drivers pay for those tests. So this is definitely the way it works in junior formula cars. Testing is good. They will test potential drivers and uh, sometimes overcharge them <laughs> to to make some money on that. So Benjamin Peterson, who has uh, finished second, I think, four times in Indy Lights, has been on their stand for several races this season. Now, part of that is because he shares a driving coach with Kyle Kirkwood, but uh, I would think he'd be in the camp. And I would think, you know, someone like Linus Lundquist, who's leading the championship, certainly would be as well. I think you'd want to test him. And there's probably some people from the UK as well. 
All right, next Wednesday and Thursday, May 25 and 6 at Circle City, Circle City Raceway marks the return of the biggest names in USAC National Sprint Cars running on a two-night extravaganza pre- presented by Maston and Kane Warehouse Services. That's Brady Bacon, C.J. Leary, Justin Grant, Tanner Thorson, just some of the names slated to race. And JMV will be on site Wednesday, Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds, CircleCityRaceway.com. Brian at 500 in the 1911 sends a box score from what's listed as the warm-up from two years ago. And teams ran between, oh, like 60 and 105 laps. I'm assuming that's carb day. I don't think there was a Monday practice for that year. And Jeremiah Morell says they all have the same amount of tires. Yes, they do, other than two extra sets for Stefan Wilson. And then you get two extra sets if you're in the Firestone Fast 12. That's it. We'll see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Beyond the Bricks with Jake and Mike coming up next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.